wanna be famous. I just want a million blue faces. I just want a million new fans of plays. Then I wanna ride that massive wave, blowing all the money on diamonds. Mansions, paddocks, and private planes. Showing off flying the islands, buying them, run the red carpet and rise to fame. I sat down with the incredibly talented Namdi. He's a multi-instrumentalist, singer-songwriter based out of Chicago. Namdi is also the founder of the record label Super Records. After years of hard work building his brand, Namdi created a buzz that anyone would be envious of. And then the unthinkable happened. The world shut down. We discussed his music, life, and what that time period in his life really felt like. You were born in California, moved to Ohio, and then ultimately settled in Lansing, Illinois? Correct. Father was a, or still is, a minister? Yes, he is. I would go to church, do the services. I started playing some music in church, too. Like, I played drums a little bit. Um, but I was never out, like, being debaucherous because it just wasn't, I just wasn't into any of that stuff mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. But you did, you did kind of find your your love for music with mom being a singer, dad playing guitar, correct? Correct. There is like a stereotypical like kind of gospel. Like I grew up in Baptist church type of kid who just like is surrounded by all these musicians and is just like just good from birth almost because they're like so immersed in the culture. Um, I wish that's the culture I grew up in. Um, but my dad was like, um the churches we had were like kind of more methodist churches um and i think he like brought in a little bit more of like pentecostal flavor in the churches and also it was like a lot of startup churches like my dad was like trying to start up churches so it wasn't like there weren't like a lot of people um it kind of grew over time but it was it wasn't one of those scenarios where you go and like people are shredding instruments sometimes it would just be me playing drums and people singing or like me and if there's a keyboard player, just us two. So it wasn't like, um, I wouldn't say I particularly learned music from there, but it did uh, help me. Like it was while I was learning, I was taking like private lessons at the same time as like growing up in church, so. So do you feel like just having that experience though, but not having any any other instruments to cover you when there were mistakes made or when you were learning on your journey at such a young age, do you think that served you as a musician? Absolutely. I not, honestly never really thought about that, but yeah, I definitely think just my dad being like, oh, get on the drums and just like play a beat. And then people would, he would start singing something and people would join in him with him singing. I think that helped me, uh, definitely helped me be more willing to like move on the fly and kind of, uh, probably better at improvising I think just because I had to jump in whenever whenever he wanted me to do that um yeah I never really thought about that but it definitely has definitely would have to impact how I learned music because it was very very much like you don't know when you're gonna be called up to do something so do you also think you know as a former traveling musician I know that there are times where something happens where that set is interrupted and you're able to just kind of switch gears and continue to entertain while whatever happens in the back continues to work it work itself out um and yes the crowd may notice something is happening but you're able to kind of gather them back 
and focus them on you. I know a lot of people learn how to do that in different spaces. Do you think your father being a minister and being able to hold people's attention and gather them in one space under one mind, do you think that helped you learn how to perform at all? I do think I learned a lot about public speaking and just like being in front of a group of people from my dad because he's so such a natural at it. Um, I don't think it came as natural to me until I realized that I could just until I learned that I could be myself in front of people and it would be okay. You know, I was always thinking that the people that did that, you have to like get into a zone or put on a character or like, you know, but learning and like through experience, I know that I can just go up there and be me, which is a privilege, I think. And like pretty cool. Not a, not a lot of people can do that. I think a lot that I've learned is how to make a group of people feel like you're talking to each individual person rather than just like talking to a group of people um and also the opposite of that being able to command a crowd and like kind of bring people onto your side and just like i don't know get people where you want them to be to like open up to be able to like experience the music in whatever way that they need to experience that time i think i did yeah yeah, yeah definitely for sure you have a degree in electrical engineering. What? Yeah. What? Talk to me about when you decided you wanted to go to, it's University of Illinois, correct? Yeah. What did you ultimately want to do? What did you think you would end up doing? Um, I always knew that I was going to end up in entertainment. It was kind of something I did just um, because it seemed like a safe fallback plan, but if I'm being honest, I never, I never planned on pursuing it, you know, <laughs> in my head, I was always just like, I'm going to do something in the entertainment field. Is that Music one of those things a... where your parents said, you know, we need to have some job security and, yeah. you know, okay. Yeah. It's smart. There's, that's a good idea, you know, Absolutely. like it's it's still working out for me and now I like I have this knowledge which is great and it's still there for me to use you know like it's still in my brain for me to use whenever I want so right. it's not I don't consider it a waste even though I'm just like very focused on music and was even throughout my college uh, yeah I definitely, definitely don't consider any of it a waste of time because everything happens for a reason. I feel like I wouldn't, I feel like I'd be in a different place. I don't know what it would be, but I wouldn't be where I am right now. And I appreciate and acknowledge that where I'm at right now feels good, so. You broke right as the world was shutting down. Hmm. How was that? Finally, you finally <laughs> got to the point where everyone was waiting for you. Tell me a little bit about that whole time for you. Oh, it was awful. I had a, I had a whole tour planned. I had a few tours planned that year, and we were going really hard with our campaign. Me and Glenn were like powwowing and like coming up with all these cool, fun ideas for marketing. And yeah, I, it was the most I had put into a project in my life up until this one that I'm I just put out um 
so yeah, I was very, very excited. And then obviously the world collided in on itself and it was a bummer. But I think, I think that it in some ways did help me uh, kind of reevaluate the things that I care about and how, what I put my energy towards, you know, I feel like I had to be very more meticulous about how I expended my energy because I felt like I had way less than I usually have just because kind of hearing all the news and like taking in all of the intense things going on in the world was is draining so do you yeah. feel like do you feel like the world shutting down actually served you and here, here's why because so many people were just on the go going with their daily life and this made people stop and when they were done listening to who who they already knew. They went searching for new, interesting music. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like a lot of people found you during COVID that might not have found you had it not been for the world shutting down? I do. I think a lot of people found me because I was very active, um, especially in, during like very pivotal times, like the Black Flight that we talked about which was the number one selling EP um, on Bandcamp, like the day that kind of things were going, were at its peak, which was pretty wild. Um, and then I put out another record after that. So I put out three things and then a handful of singles. And I think just like me being active when a lot of people couldn't find the energy to be active uh, made me stand out a little bit. But, I, but it was kind of a coping mechanism i do work a lot even when the world's not shut down i am in the studio a lot making stuff um and to me it felt like i did a lot less during that time just because there's so much dead space mm -hmm. <laughs> but for the outside world i think it looked like i was doing a lot and i was able to sustain myself off of funds that i got from selling things too so yeah Let's talk about the level of guts it took to put out what you were feeling in the midst of everything that was happening in our country around George Floyd. What made you uh, take this approach to, um, to revealing how you were feeling in the form of a punk album, a punk EP? <laughs> punk music to me, to me is very intentional and very specific and like it's supposed to make you feel a very specific thing and have the energy um, that draws you in. It's about energy and it's about action and movement. And I, I think that to me, music is the one thing that I feel like I am able to provide for the world, you know? It's like one thing where I'm just like, I can always think of something to put, to add to the conversation even though I might know, not know the actions that need to happen, I can influence other people that are smarter than me in those regards, you know, with music, because I think music is a powerful tool in that regard and can influence people in many, many different ways, not just to make other music, but to make art, to like, I don't know, to pursue things in the sciences, technology. I feel like it's very inspirational in all of these things. And so at that time, I felt very helpful helpless and I was just like let me do the one thing that I know I can do 
and I'll see if I can raise money to go to certain community funds and things that where people are actually more active, like on the foreground than I am able to do, you know. That's really commendable. I know a lot of artists um, um, didn't know what to do, so they didn't do anything. And I think mm -hmm. it's it's really difficult to know what to do in such a, a, a unsuspected and tragic situation. So the fact that you had enough you know, you were as present to say, hey, I want to not only do something, I want to, of course, express myself, but I want to make sure that anything that comes from this goes to a community that the community that's hurting, which is a family community, um, yeah. to help the situation in any way. So as a part of that family community, thank you, because a lot of people didn't know what to do. And you did, at least you did something um, to express yeah, how you felt. I understand, I understand the, I understand getting overwhelmed and kind of shutting down. Um, that's a lot of people's reaction. And I think I do that sometimes as well, but I find just small, small little actions, like not worrying about the huge things that you can't fix, but like, okay, I can't fix the whole societal problem, but I can do this one small thing for maybe my neighborhood. I can do this one small thing for this one person. And I think that's just as important as like trying to globalize these big ideas and like figure out how to fix broader, more delicate structures, you know? Yeah, I do. You've, you've always been a really, to me, interesting artist that will never leave you bored. Um, when you know you're about to watch a, a Namdi video, you know it's going to be something special. It's going to be something um, unique, and you're you're going to be interested in um, in just the visuals of it all. And it's going to be there's going to be some playfulness to it. There'll be some comedy there. Um, where does that come from? Are you do you naturally when you write? Do you sometimes see what you want it to be right away? Or is that something that Most you develop time. after? Almost all the time. I, if I'm writing music, almost all the time, I have like a visual element that accompanies it like immediately. I'm a very visual person and I love, uh, I love TV. <laughs> I love like a, <laughs> good, like a good show that has a good story. I love cartoons. I love visual art i love graphic design i'm just a very visual person so yeah it always accompanies the music like while i'm writing it so it seems like you always infuse yourself into your projects and in one mm -hmm. particular project you really infused yourself because a hundred people walked away with a popsicle stick oh yeah <laughs> that was a piece of of nandi's dna um, those lucky, those lucky individuals, um, got a, a a small little piece of you. And from what I remember, your favorite ice cream at the time was Cherry Garcia. Oh yeah, it's a very good ice cream. <laughs> Are we still I'm, there? Are we? I've been really into these those gelato layers. Do you know what those? Yes, I think yes, I did. Yeah, 
I've been super into those lately. So are you Very just an overall ice cream guy? Are you, is that just like I'm just a thing? sweet tooth. Okay. I like a- anything that's sweet. It's kind of bad. <laughs> like I need to cut down <laughs> on for sure, but total sweet tooth. So how do you even come up with that? The first, the 100 people walk away with uh, a popsicle stick. I can't take full credit for that. That was a lot of my manager and label partner. I run a record label. Uh, with my friend Glenn, who also is manages me now, and yeah, I think I'm pretty sure that was his idea. It was either his or his partner's idea. You once stated yeah. that a perfect lineup for you would be Inya, Daughters, <laughs> Ja Rule, Sum Forty One, <laughs> and Prince. I stand by that. R.I.P. Prince. I'm actually in Minneapolis right now. Um, so yeah. did I get all of those right? Yeah, I still um, I I still stand by that. So back in 2018, you played a gig at South by Southwest. And one of the things you noticed was that there were a lot of people wearing bathrobes. And it seems that that stayed in the back of your mind and appeared in the video. I don't really want to be famous. Am I on the right track? I don't remember the show you're talking about at all. Someone asked you, what is the weirdest thing that you've seen someone wearing here? And you're like, bathrobes. It seems very interesting that there are a lot of people out here in bathrobes. I don't remember that. So how did the bathrobe end up in the video? Um, That wasn't even my call. (laughs) That was the director's call. So maybe they subconsciously also knew <laughs> um yeah it was just <laughs> i'm not i'm look i'm i'm not Nardwar, but I, i'm close right um <laughs> you're doing good <laughs> now i really want to know i'm gonna like look at the list of shows that i've played that week and try to decipher which one it was because there's a lot there are like some weird house shows um, but it, i mean but it was fifth it was like 12 or 13 pretty big gigs all in the span <laughs> of four days so it's just like I don't remember which one was which. That's uh, pretty awesome though that you know that that little that tiny little piece of information turned up so many years later and was exactly what you talked about. You you even stated, yeah, I want to do that one day. I want to just really? perform in a bathroom. Absolutely. That's, that's so funny. Ah, for you know, just speaking it into existence. <laughs> yes, yes, and that definitely happened. Sitting at the edge of my seat, playing along while my heart skipped every beat. Red flags and alarms telling me to retreat. Touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Knock.